Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy, Allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. This is Cork Today. Cork Today. With Patricia Messenger on C103. Cork's greatest hits. C103. And a very good Monday morning to you as we welcome you along after what was just a glorious weekend weather-wise. I hope you were able to get out and enjoy it even if it was just sitting in your garden. It really was. It just It felt yesterday morning in particular. It almost felt like a June morning as if we were at the start of the summer in, uh, instead of being in the middle of um, the start of autumn. It really was lovely. And today looks like it's going to be another pleasant day. But I hate to tell you, rain is on the way. And I know we went for a bit of a chilly spell from Thursday I think Arctic conditions there was a sentiment here in last night saying oh god we don't need to be hearing about Arctic conditions but a very good morning to you we welcome you along to the programme John Paul and Sadie are taking your calls at 1850 333 103 and can I start by thanking David who's already been on to the programme from the Knocknaheeny area to say he was on to say that he had had he'd spoken to the parish priest about Marsha my daughter starting back to her day placement last Thursday and Friday Friday and how when I was here on Wednesday saying I wouldn't be with you Thursday and Fridays I was taking the days off to settle her in and uh, he I'd, I'd mentioned if people would, would think of her in, her in their prayers and thoughts and well done to David he went to the parish priest and said will you say a few prayers for Marcia and seemingly he did and he had the entire congregation over the weekend praying for Marcia which, which is a lovely kind sweet thing to do David thank you for that and would you pass on my best wishes to Father Greg Howard uh, who had those prayers said and tell him I really really appreciate him and as to how she got on she got on fine I think I was more nervous and more anxious and more emotional the first day it kind of felt a little bit like the first day at school all over again when I was handing her over and into a new setting and there was a little bit of anxiety on her behalf but you know she I think she's just glad to be out of the house and to be back and getting back into some kind of normality it'll be a long time I think before we're back to a full five day service we're probably at half of what she had before Covid but you know talking with other parents you know who are getting two or three days a week we're lucky to have it and we're thankful to have it and uh, as I say but she does seem happy to be back exhausted when she came home but I already could see even just after the two days Thursday and Friday a little glimmer and a spark of the old Marsha coming back to us because she's gone very into herself over the last uh, six months 
and all she wanted to do was stay in bed. All she wanted to do was sleep the day away. And she just lost her her passion and her lust for life and that love of life. And you could just, it was almost like a candle going out, you know, just slowly, slowly going out. And it was, as parents, heartbreaking to watch, really, really heartbreaking uh, to watch. So I already can see a glimmer of her coming back and uh, hopefully, you know, I mean, when are we going to get a five-day service back? My gut instinct says it's not going to be until there's a vaccine because obviously there's very strict HSE rules and regulations around social distancing and the two-metre social distancing. So every room where service users go into, they have to work out how many service users can they have in there with how many staff and therefore it's going to be limited. So, my, you know, I know in my heart and soul this time next year, will we be looking at a vaccine? I'd love to think we will be looking at a vaccine. But until we get a vaccine, then, you know, she's the best we can hope for is half a service and, and be thankful for that. And hopefully that will be enough to keep her going and get her back to her happy little self. And, you know, it's important, I think, as well for for us as the carers that our loved ones are happy because when they're happy, it makes life at home much easier as well. And I'm very conscious of parents who've been in a much worse situation that we've been in with Marsha who have really, really struggled during these six months when all the adult day services were gone and, and, and I'm thinking of them as well and hoping that their services are coming back on track and that their 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 children, their loved ones are getting well looked after and that they're coming back to their happy little happy little selves um, as well. So thank you to people who were sending on very kind thoughts wishing Marsha well but in particular to David Nocknahini and the congregation in Nocknahini uh, praying for Marsha. I really appreciate it. Now, 1850-333-103. Can we also wish the very best of luck to all of the publicans in the 25 counties across the country who are due to open their doors for the first time today in six months? And I imagine today is a mixture of excitement and it's a mixture of nervousness about the reopening and of course all of the pubs except those in Dublin you'll be able to go and get a pint today. Now while the publicans themselves are obviously very excited about today but also very nervous and very anxious it looks like the customers are also a bit anxious and a bit nervous. And we're asking that question uh, today. Will you be going to a wet pub at some stage this week? I'd be really interested to see what the numbers are like for people who head in for a pint today. But across this week, I'm imagining most people are probably looking at going for a pint maybe at the weekend. People who have a longing for a pint. There have been some people who haven't been even into any of the restaurants or the gastropubs. There will be many people who for six months haven't gone out for a pint. So maybe there will be. I don't if there'll be quite a queue outside any of the pubs but maybe a cohort of people will head away head out today but the journal.ie did an interesting poll uh, this morning asking people with with that in mind will you be going to a wet pub this week and the results are quite interesting 59% of people said no they wouldn't be going to a pub. 23% of people said, I can't. I live in Dublin and our pubs are not open. 15% of people said, I don't know. And just uh, 13% of people said, or just almost 13% of people said, yes, they are 
going to go. Oh, sorry, it was less. Uh, the, the, the don't knows were less. They were under 10%. But uh, 13%, only 13 definitely said when they were asked, will you go to a pub this week? Only 13% of those who took part in, and that was a small enough sample online, the journal.ie. But the biggest proportion of people just over 59% said no I've absolutely no intention of going to a pub this week so we, we, we welcome your thoughts on that will you be heading out to a pub this uh, week now six more counties are on the brink of being increased to level three restrictions why COVID-19 cases are continuing to rise right across the country. And this was the Green Party leader, Eamon Ryan, speaking at the weekend. He said it is a possibility that other parts of the country will follow Dublin in being moved up a level. We're all on level two, except for Dublin. So there are certain counties will move to the level three uh, restrictions. And of course, the level three, three restrictions means that the restaurants and the gastro bars that are open at the moment around the rest of the country, they all have had to close in uh, Dublin in what was seen as a stark warning to other parts of the country. Eamon Ryan, leader of the Greens, said this is not just a Dublin issue. The virus is spreading rapidly in the community and the counties that he said is under most threat of following Dublin into level three are our near neighbours Limerick, Louth, Waterford, Donegal, Leitrim and uh, Kildare. And the warning comes as the highest single day figure since the 14th of May was recorded yesterday. 396 new uh, cases uh, and add that to the figure from Saturday. The weekend figures were 670 cases and that is huge because traditionally at the weekend they're not the highest figures that we get. Uh, so I was really shocked yesterday when I tuned into the news to get the 396. And of course, of that 396, Dublin's still accounting for the highest number of uh, COVID-19 cases. But then, shock and horror for us here in Cork, we were second. 39 new cases of the virus yesterday and there had been 20 on Saturday. And we have been doing so well here in uh, Cork. And even over, uh, even at the weekend when there was a list of county by county, the number of COVID cases over the last two weeks. And we're second from the bottom. The only other, con- only other county better than Cork, this was up to mid last week, I think, was Sligo. But we had very low number of cases. So it is worrying across the weekend to see the spike in cases on Saturday and on Sunday. So, you know, while we're still very low when you look at all of the other counties, there we've no reason to be complacent. I mean, if those figures, 20 and 36, if we continue them across this week, we suddenly will be up there with those other counties because how they judge how a county is doing is the number of cases per 100,000. We will be up there with the Donegal's the Limerick, the Leitrims, the Louths and the, and the Waterford if we continue to have those high number of cases. 82 people are now in hospital with COVID-19. 17 are being treated in intensive care for ages. We were looking at the number of six was the low number in ICU and there were obviously people who had been in ICU for many, many uh, weeks and we were proud of the fact that there was a low number of people inside in hospitals. There was many hospitals around the country had no COVID-19 patients, no COVID-19 patients in their ICU. That number is starting to uh, creep up. And then add to that, there are uh, further restrictions for people who are on the pandemic, the PUP payments. 
they are going to be reviewed in the budget. The Taoiseach has suggested the payment which is due to expire at the end of March will be extended for up to a year. Up to last week the top rate for the COVID payment was €350. That's now dropped. There's now three new rates. €300 a week, €250 a week or €203 a week and it depends on how much a person earned uh, before they went on the COVID payment. Senior government sources are dismissing the possibility of restoring the payment to 350 for areas like Dublin. I heard this at the weekend when Dublin went into lockdown. There was a call that people who suddenly found themselves, particularly say people in the restaurant industry who found themselves out of work on Saturday morning and they're signing on for COVID payments from today. There was a call that people in Dublin should return to the higher level of 350 euro. But it was pointed out that social welfare payments have never and will never be based on geography. So for that reason, for those people signing on, they'll go at the either 300, 250 or 230. And there was also a lot of talk at the weekend about people involved in the arts and in the music industry and the entertainment industry. They're in they have been absolutely devastated. Their jobs went overnight, same as for a lot of other people uh, as well. And even though the pubs are reopened, I think one of the guidelines is you can't have live music. So a lot of people in the arts and people working in the music industry won't be heading back into, even though where, where they normally would play, the pubs and clubs, some of them are open they're not going to be getting employment there. So it looks like there's going to be what's called sectorial supports for those working in arts and entertainment, but they're going to have to wait until next month's budget uh, until a package is unveiled. And there's also talks as well for any taxi drivers listening to us that there will be a package for taxi drivers that's also been considered. And while taxis are working, there's certainly nothing as busy as uh, they were. 1850 John Paul and Sadie are taking your calls. You can text our WhatsApp to 0862 103 Your comments coming in on pubs reopening today and says, Morning Patricia, madness, utter madness. The pubs are reopening today while cases are rising all over the country. Cork would want to cop on now. If cases keep rising in Cork for another three weeks, we'll be like Dublin today in three weeks' time and we'll be facing our own lockdown, which nobody wants. Jerry says, Patricia, Cork may be the second lowest in the country per county for the number of cases per 100,000. But on the examiner over the weekend, Fomoy has the highest number of cases in Cork. Yeah, and that was, they have released, and go to gov.ie and there's a map of the country and you can click on your own electoral area and it will tell you the number of cases over the last 14 days in your area. And I think this is very welcome because I don't know how many calls we have received to this programme over the months of the pandemic saying, wouldn't it be great if we knew exactly how many cases were in our area and then obviously you would know you need to be extra vigilant in a particular town or a particular area because there's a lot of COVID-19 cases there or if you were living in an area where there was very low cases you would know well it's safer to go out and about I know I'm going to be okay because there's very few cases here so what they did at the weekend they've put up this map of Ireland and you can click on any area and it's done by the local electoral area and it'll show you the number of cases over the past 14 days. Now what they've done with it they if it's if the cases are between 0 and 4 
they say less than five. They won't tell you if there were zero cases, one, two, three or four. So if it's less than five is in your area, you will know you've got very little COVID-19 in that area. And yes, Jerry is right. Formoy over the last 14 days had the highest number. Now I've asked John Paul to take a look at the map, go through the electoral areas and he's been working on it all morning and he'll actually join us later on in the programme and he'll go through the different electoral areas across the county and just give us an idea of the number of COVID-19 cases. And what we might get him to do is, is every Monday to take a look at it and it will be great to be able to compare like this day next week we'll compare with the figures that we'll talk about uh, today but if you go on gov.ie you're able, you'll be able to see it but I'm conscious and aware that there are a number of people either that they don't have adequate decent broadband and not everybody is online I'm always very aware of that when we're pointing people in the direction of information online it is impossible that everybody can access it so we'll do our bit on a Monday to look over the figures and just try to give you a snapshot of what's going on in your area But yes, when you're looking across the Cork City and County, Formoy has come out as the highest number of cases over the last 14 days. As I say, we'll get uh, get those figures from John Paul later on. And I'm also thanking to people who, they're naming various pubs. I'm always slow to call out a particular pub. Somebody's saying that a certain pub in Cork had 150 people on Saturday night no social distancing people were shaking hands and the pub is the same seven days a week now I I, I would be surprised if the pub is that many people seven days a week if he is that publican is doing a roaring trade at the moment considering it's a pub that must be serving food uh, as well and you're not in there seven days a week so you've no way of knowing where I I wasn't in there. You certainly haven't been in there seven days a week. So you can't know for sure. So just be careful when you hear anecdotal evidence from people. Somebody told me who told me that there was loads of people inside. And I accept that there are some breaches. But we are hoping that the majority of publicans are law abiding citizens and they are doing their best. The gastropubs that have been opened, the restaurants that have been opened, the majority of them are doing their best because it's in their best interest to make sure nobody's breaching the rules and regulations because nobody wants to be forced to close down and certainly nobody wants what's happened in Dublin we don't want that in Cork as that listener said if the numbers keep rising as those high numbers we got at the weekend if we keep seeing those over the next three weeks then this time three weeks that listener is right I'll be sitting here and we'll be talking about Dublin coming out of their lockdown and we going into our lockdown whereby all of the restaurants will close except for takeaways and we certainly don't want that Uh, thank you for your text Michael says hi Patricia's COVID-19 figures are rapidly approaching the danger zone again for a nationwide lockdown. The Centre of Disease Control in the United States of America yesterday issued a terse warning that the coronavirus can spread through small particles in the air. That is why it is so important to wear masks, real masks. It's a very infectious disease, yet it's so important to wear a mask and wash your hands. Testing doesn't provide us with a suit of armour against the virus. Our first line of defence is ourselves and what we do. It's getting very serious again, but we can turn this around by wearing masks at all times, good social distancing and good hand hygiene. Thank you for that, Michael. And I heard Dr Gabriel Scali at the weekend He was making an appeal to young people and in particular to young people in Dublin, bearing in mind there was video images. I don't know how many people saw this on social media at the weekend of Dubliners partying and socialising in very large numbers and many of them were young people. So Dr Gabriel Scali out of the weekend saying to young people, especially in Dublin, but also all over the country, to do your bit 
to keep the virus under control. Uh, he has, he, Dr Scally said, if some people disregard the rules, it'll undermine the whole effort. So it's really important every one of us does the best to keep this virus under control. He said, I've said it before and I'll say it again and I'll repeat it again, says Dr Scally. Alcohol is COVID-19's best friend. Large parties with alcohol are an invitation to spread the virus. Young people should not think they're immune. He said they're not. There's nothing fair about this virus. It kills and it seriously damages people. Well said. That was from Dr Gabriel Scally. 1850-333-103. We're going to take a break and we're back finding out why one Cork meat plant had over 200 cases yet the meat plant didn't close. We're asking why. Or today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086-2103-103. Now the meat industry and health authorities have been slammed after it emerged that a meat plant here in Cork had 226 positive COVID-19 cases but never closed down, creating what many people feel was a major health risk. Fine Senator Tim Lombard has been looking for answers about this particular outbreak for weeks and uh, he joins me now on the programme. Good morning to you, Tim. Good morning, Patricia. And you're welcome to the programme. OK, who makes the decision to close a meat plant or indeed any other business if they have a COVID-19 outbreak? So what happens here in a normal scenario is that if there's a hairdresser's in some town in West Cork has an issue. What the HSE never actually announced who that hairdresser is. The hairdresser usually takes action itself and actually closes down. What's after happening here is like we we're rumour after rumour about the meat plant industry here and the, the meat industry. And it's after kind of escalating the last 10 or 12 days. During the week, um, the Plain Deputy mentioned that there was um, over 200 cases of one meat plant in Cork. Well, I've been chasing this for the last month, trying to get meat, in the, meat Industry Ireland, which is the overarching body of the meat industry, to come out and to make clear statements about how many cases are in what plant. And all I can get off Meat Industry Ireland is that there is no actual clusters in the industry since the issue came to there has been solved. Um, like, even on Friday, I took the opportunity to ring uh, Philip Carroll, who is the chairperson of Meat Industry Ireland, and the fairest of Philip, he took the phone calls straight away, and I asked him to make a statement regarding what was happening in the meat plants in Cork. Mm. Go to his members, ask them what is happening, is there cases, has there been cases? Because what's after happening now is we have a dangerous vacuum after appearing of rumour and counter-rumour, and nobody actually on the ground knows what's happening. And we have communities that are fearful of is there COVID in the factory? Is there COVID in the people who work in the factory? And where they're living and all that kind of fear has built up. Meat Industry Ireland have a real responsibility to, number one, the workforce, which I think, unfortunately, the measures at the start weren't great. I think they've improved slightly, no point saying they haven't. But they have a great responsibility to the communities where they're based. And they're not giving those communities adequate and accurate information. Do you believe local people should be informed if, if there is a cluster? If we had an outbreak in a school tomorrow morning, the, the VCR, um, the new organisation that covers schools, will make an announcement. We saw that in the last few weeks. We have a, a school in certain places where there's been a case. There's, it's in the news. And that's the kind of proactive messaging that people have an understanding of where the virus is. We're not trying to spread panic here. We're actually trying to kill the urban rumours about how many cases and where are they. Because if you listen to some of the rumours, 
there in every meat plant. If you listen to Philip Carl from Meat Industry Ireland, he says it's point zero three cases. Now somebody's wrong somewhere, and I want I want answers, and I want to find out exactly how many cases were in each plant, when they were, and what has been done about it. The HSE, of course, won't comment on individual cases or outbreaks, and they say that's to protect the privacy of those involved. But in the interest of public health. There is a case that people have a right to know. I think it's a huge case where people have a right to know. And I think that's why I've been chasing. Because I first went to the agency and I got the same response saying they can't come to individual cases. It's up to people to disclose it themselves. But like for an industry, for one of the biggest industries that we have in the country when it comes to meat processing, for Meat Industry Ireland, the overarching body that's in charge of it, for them literally to say, there's nothing to see here, we're not making a comment, that's really not good enough. And in fairness to their chairman, when I spoke to him on Friday, he said he'd go back and talk to his members about would they change their approach. Because what they're doing at the moment is unsustainable going forward. We all see where the actual figures are going. We know how the actual virus has been, transfer- has been um, going from person to person. And people want to know what's happening. And there's a huge vacuum of information. And like, I'm at, I actually don't think the meat industry is as bad as it is, but because of the actual way meat industry Ireland have handled this, it looks three times as bad. Well, when I when I knew you were coming on today, I was trying to look up figures uh, over the weekend. I mean, what I got was meat plants have been the site for 44 clusters uh, throughout the state. But is is there a danger we could see more cases? I mean, have the, have the meat industry, have the meat plants cleaned up their acts? Yeah, and a cluster is anything more than two cases per yeah. case. So that's the other thing. Like, I, you know, even myself, when I went into it, I thought a cluster was going to be 10, 12, 15 people. So that, it, it sends you over two cases. But Meat Industry Ireland have a real responsibility here. And I think they're reneging on it because I think they've done what they did before. They're closing up a shop and they're not commenting. I think they need to come out. And I think if they don't come out, the, the actual rumours are going to spread again. And, like, if they're doing such a good job and they're telling me they're doing a very good job, they've reduced the virus to point or three in their actual plants, then why aren't they coming out? And that's probably what's baffling in me more than anything else. If they've done such a fantastic job and they've reduced the virus to point zero three, or, yeah, point, they've, they've really done a very good job, but they're not coming out and saying it. And why aren't they coming Yeah, and we also have to remember that outbreaks at meat plants were the principal reason for the localised lockdowns in Kildare, in Leash and uh, in Offaly. So therefore, we we need to be concerned about meat plants. Absolutely, and I think we all know the working firms in the meat plants, they are very much close together because of the the way they actually... The nature of the work, yeah. Yeah, and we know they've changed issues regarding how they actually come in, clock in, how they change, how they shower. They've made major improvements that that way. There is a significant risk always, number one, with the actual work environment, and number two, probably with the living environment, which Meat Industry Ireland have really walked away from. I think there's a duty of care for the people that work in Meat Industry to live in appropriate accommodation. And it's questionable, the actual standards at times. And look, again, more urban rumour. But from what I'm hearing on the ground, there's an awful lot of people working meat plants living in very, very tight accommodation. So if we were to have a cluster, if we were to have a breakdown, this is one of the key places that could happen. And I think because of that, because of the lack of, in many ways, meat industry Ireland's head in the sand attitude, I think we need to change our approach regarding the public health advice. I think we need to, instead of having it up to the individual plants or meat industry Ireland to tell us what's happening. 
I think the HSC have to step in here. And I think the HSC must change their approach here or else tell Meet Industry Ireland, you start publishing the information or we'll have to do it for you. Because at the yeah. moment, and I mean this now, it's literally more than urban rumour. I met a man this morning in Bandon and he was, and he wasn't talking about a plant in Bandon now, first of all, but he was telling me about a certain a, a, a plant in another part of Cork County and if you believe half it, it's frightening. But we don't know and that's the problem. We actually don't know. Yeah, I thought Labour TD's John Sherlock's comment that no Sunday roast is worth people paying with their lives, I I thought, uh, really uh, hit home. And then, and and this has nothing to do with meat plants, but the figures at the weekend, well, we don't know if it's to do with meat plants, but the figures at the weekend for Cork, uh, Tim, 20 on Saturday and 36 yesterday. We've been doing so well here in Cork City and County. We're second on the bottom for all of the counties for the number of cases per 100,000. It's worrying what happened at the weekend. It is, and this is now unscientific Tim Lumbert now. But the weather has played an awful effect in this, in my opinion. Like, I saw large crowds in Kinsale yesterday. People are out and about. It's been a fantastic few days. And I think I would be fearful of with the actual interaction that people have had. The public health advice is to limit your reaction, your interactions with people by 50% from what you did last week to this week. Yeah. I think an awful lot of people were out and about over the weekend and have been for the last 10 days. Look, it's been an amazing summer or autumn. It's like summertime, really. So you could see why they're actually taking advantage of the actual weather. So I would be fearful. Obviously, we're having the scenario that schools are back. There's obviously more interaction straight. I see it in my own house, like more and more people have been interacting with us because the school's back. And I suppose, you know, you'd have to be fearful what's going to happen from today on with the opening of the pub. So, Are you nervous about the pub's opening, Tip? I'm not much of a drinker for a start, but I suppose I am. I'm a little bit nervous about where this is going to go because we're now saying reduce your interaction by 50% to people you met last week and the wet pubs are opening this week. And I totally understand the pressure that they've been under and it's been a horrendous five months that they've gone through. Um, but I do think we're facing into winter. We've seen a steady rise in figures over the last seven or eight weeks. Like, I'm in Dublin for Tuesday, Wednesday and Thursday now this week. I'm really not looking forward to it. Um, I'm actually half nervous about going up there and coming back down afterwards. We're sitting for those three days and we've legislation to pass. So it's going to be, you know, it, it really is a really unusual environment that we're working in. And when you look at the actual case in Dublin, you have to say they did the right thing by closing Dublin down. Um, and I have to say, from what I saw in the streets in Dublin over the last two weeks, they did it. Dublin patrons probably wore out too much. There was vast numbers of people out at night. You could see the streets were busier um, from where it was maybe six or they seven weeks ago. They weren't getting the message. No, All right, really listen, weren't. we'll speak again, uh, Tim, in the meantime. Thank you for that. Stay safe and thanks for joining us. Thank you. Good, Good morning to you. That is uh, Fine Gael Senator Tim Lambert. Court today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850-333-103. Now, some of your comments coming into the uh, programme. Patricia, students have not changed their lifestyles over the summer and the cases of COVID did not rise dramatically here in Cork during that period. Young people and students are constantly being blamed for being irresponsible and spreading the virus to the more vulnerable. 
It's time for the government to become more transparent regarding COVID details. We need the age groups to be more defined and the areas where cases are highlighted. These statistics would be very helpful and may encourage age groups to be more responsible. I've noticed, for example, while out shopping, that many of my fellow senior citizens appear to be totally unaware of the implementation of the two metre social distancing uh, rules. I know we are getting, thank you for that, I know we are getting a more detailed breakdown of the age group. For example, last week we were talking about 90% of all of those that tested positive were under the age of 65 and I think it was about 60% were under the age of 45. But what they've started to notice, like last week, it was 10% of those who were testing positive were over the age of 65. But that number seems to be creeping up uh, with COVID-19 coming into households and then granny comes to visit or, or granddad's living in the house and we're getting more clusters inside in houses and that's where young people who are out and about will bring it back in. But, you know, you are right. You certainly are right about Cork. We have done very, very well over the summer months and you probably are right. Many young students haven't changed their lifestyles that much and there hasn't been this huge spread of COVID-19 except these weekend figures have everyone a little bit worried and a little bit nervous so it is very much going to be a wait and see as to what happens going forward. Is it just a blip at the weekend? I don't know. I simply don't know and as I say John Paul is working this morning on going through the different electoral areas and the figures that have been released over the last two weeks and the number of cases in the different areas of Cork City and County and he's going to be talking uh, talking about those figures with us uh, on the programme this morning and and the, the idea and the plan is that we'll do it every Monday and then we'll be able to con- we'll be able to compare and contrast his uh, we'll be able to look at is he going to, you're coming into me now John Paul are you going to do these figures now uh, are we doing these now okay alright we're going to do them now actually John Paul uh, joins me in studio because we're having difficulty getting through to uh, Michael O'Donovan of the Vintners Federation but I'm assuming the word in his mother is trying to talk to Michael today and he's obviously got caught on another interview okay you've this is a, just explain firstly this map it's gone up on gov.ie yeah, it's a map they released at the weekend and basically what it does is it breaks down each electoral area. So if you're voting in the elections, you'll have a different electoral area, for, especially for the local elections. So you'll have Bantry, you'll have Mallow, you'll have Fermoyen, every area then around those towns, the, the hinterland is included in that. So what they've done is they've broken down each area to show the confirmed cases of the coronavirus in that particular area. Now, if there over is... Over a, a two-week period. Over a two-week period from the first of September to the 14th of September is where these figures come from and on the particular cases for example if there's less than five cases that means then the cases are from zero to four but they don't go into each individual town or village it's basically in that area uh, so you, you you get the feel of it when we start off here in the Bantry electoral area and just to give people an example of where that covers that takes in obviously enough Bantry Town but also uh, goes over as far as German League takes in Castletown Bear and takes in both the Mizzen and Bearer Peninsula so there the confirmed cases are less than five in the Bantry electoral area let's go to Skibbereen 
And Skibreen does take in Dunmanway, Ross Carberry, Skibreen itself, uh, Banleen and Clonakilty. And in the in that particular area in Skibreen, there's confirmed cases of five. So there's five in, in and Skibreen. And again, it's from the 1st to the 14th of September. So we're hoping that the five, the majority of those are well on the road you to recovery so. yeah. and that, that they're all OK. And when you check this map, you will see the areas are in a darker orange. So every area is in a light orange, kind of yellow kind of colour. And then the ones that are darker are where you have the particular cases over five. Once they go into red then, which you will see if you go up the east of the country to towards Dublin. Kildare and Dublin, you'll yeah. see the red patches there. Uh, on to Bandon and the Kinsale electoral area. And again, just to give people an example, because these areas, even though you say Bandon, Kinsale, they do spread. You're, t- you're taking in Timaleague, Kilbritton, uh, parts of Cross Barrier included here in Shannon, uh, Banna Special, again, parts of Town, Kinsale and the Belgooley areas, of course, Bandon as well. And here's less than five cases in the Bandon okay. Kinsale area. Another, another good, good So that's result. good. Also nearby then uh, from Kinsale to Carrigaline, less than five cases here as well. There for the Carrigaline area does take in Crosshaven, Myrtleville, uh, Ballygarville and Ringeskiddy, so less than five there. And to the city then, all areas of the city, they're all doing very well, uh, all less than five apart from one area uh, of the local electoral area there. It's the Cork City Southwest Ward. There's ten confirmed cases there and that takes in Ballincollig, Wilton, Curraheen, Toker and areas uh, around the Toker and Sarsfield Road area there of Cork City. And then to McCroom, uh, McCroom doing well, less than five cases here as well in that particular area. And just to give an, an idea of the McCroom area, that does take in Mill Street, also Arhala, Cladove, Coachford, obviously enough McCroom Town, uh, but includes Crookstown, Kilmurray, Inchigila, Ballingiri, and Coulee. So less than five cases in that area. And then to Canturk, also doing well, less than five cases there. And Canturk, again, a broad area here of Duhallow, taking in Milford, Tully Lease, Dramina, uh, towns like Charnival and Canturk, Newmarket. And then Ballydesmond, Kishgame, Cullen and Kilcorny are included within Kenturk. And then we move to Mallow. Very, again, cases, I mean, they're, low, they're, not, they're not that high in Mallow either. Less than five cases again in Mallow. And again, again we remind you, when they say less than five and it's because of confidentiality, that means the cases are between zero and yeah, four. Yeah, exactly. So it could yeah. be that there's absolutely Nothing. no cases yeah. or there was only one in that two week period. And again, just for people that aren't, aren't aware, that does include areas like Lumberstown, Drumahan, Bween is included here as is Granada, Churchtown, Les Carroll all included in the Mallow area and Fermoy then is where there's a rise in the cases the confirmed cases in the Fermoy area are at 9 uh, and Fermoy area covers a broad area from Donrail, Shambally, Moor, Rathcormac Kilworth, Mitchellstown, Castle Lyons uh, Glanworth and Fermoy are all included and in And that was Fermoy. the highest for Cork County That's was the highest in the for Cork County. Yeah. But it was 9 over nine. a 2 week period 9 okay. over the, two weeks, uh, the first 2 weeks of September and Cove then uh, confirmed cases here in the Cove area are five. Uh, Cove is a, a broad area for a local electoral area. It's taken in from Carrigneveur over to Watergrass Hill into Nokraha and then takes in Carrigtool and Cove itself. So five confirmed cases there in that area. And finally, then the rest of the county in East Cork, Middleton, a local area, uh, taken in Dungorny, Shanagarry, Cotton, Lady's Bridge, all that area. Yall, obviously enough as well. Uh, less than five cases there. So overall, Cork County 
doing well. Doing well. And the city. And, and the, the city, city doing well. very well. Now, this yeah. comes with a caveat. This was for the two weeks from the 1st to the 14th of September. Of September. A whole week has passed. Mm-hmm. And we had the 20 and 36 cases on Saturday Over and Sunday. Yeah. Uh, some people on Twitter, you can believe Twitter, are pointing to schools. We don't know and we can't say can't really say. I mean, yeah, there's been a, a if you listen to our news bulletins or any news bulletin, there has been confirmed cases in schools over the last two weeks. We're all well aware of that, but we can't just finger point to schools. You know, we don't know where these cases are coming from uh, and we don't exactly have the breakdown of those 36, for example, uh, but that we had yesterday. So we, we can't say they're just schools yeah. that could be anywhere in the community. Now, the, the 64 metre down a question, and I don't know if you know the answer to it. When is that map going to be updated? I would presume every going on what they're giving us in in other press releases, it seems it's every two weeks. So I would imagine every two weeks. So we're going to have to we're a week into it already. So it'll be this day next week. We will we be could expect, see an update, yeah. which will be then from the 14th through to the 28th. Yeah. It'll be that two week period. Hope okay. so, yeah. so we're going to hang on to these figures mm-hmm. and then we'll be able to make a direct comparison and how things on, are towards the, the end of September okay. compared to the start of All right, September. Listen, and, and I appreciate that because I know you love figures. I'm very bad <laughs> at numbers. That's why the clock up here on the wall actually tells us the time. <laughs> I appreciate you spending all okay. this morning on that. Thank you for that. That's our own uh, John Paul taking a look at the figures. And if you go on to gov.ie, you can go anywhere in the country for the local electoral area and work out where the numbers are uh, rising. Now, we need to take a break. We have news at 11 on the way. Uh, we will hopefully catch up with Michael O'Donnell who is with the Cork who's chair of the Cork Vintners Federation uh, just we can't let the day go without marking the fact that wet pubs are opening for the first time in six months but also in the next hour discussing the very emotive issue of the Dying with Dignity Bill which came before the doll last week that's all afternoons at 11 This is Cork Today Cork Today with Patricia Messenger on C103 Cork's greatest hits C103 you're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Today is a day that many publicans thought would never arrive. After six months of closure, the so-called wet pubs outside of Dublin can finally reopen. To mark the occasion, I'm joined by a publican we've spoken to on many occasions since March, and that's Michael O'Donovan, chair of the Cork branch of the, of the Vintners Federation of Ireland. Good morning to you, Michael. Good morning, Patricia. Um, you're, have you, I believe you've already had, had a few punters in. Yeah, we opened at half past ten this morning and there's, uh, there's been people in and out already and I suppose, look, it's been a real shot of confidence. I think uh, a few boxes of chocolates delivered, cards <laughs> delivered um, and I think this morning was just great. We got our kegs delivered just after eight o'clock and um, uh, traffic here in the city was going along and the amount of people that shouted out of the window best of luck and looking forward to it and blowing the horns um, it was just it was incredible to see it I never experienced anything like this so it was it was just fantastic to see the people this morning uh, you know giving you the best wishes and so far the people that have come through the door it's been great as well And how were you feeling I'm thinking like I was thinking of you last night and indeed all of the publicans and then waking up this morning I mean obviously there's a sense of excitement but is it mixed with anxiety it is, and relief I mean you must just be a ball of emotions today Yeah I suppose look when I was driving in this morning it was I suppose nervous it was like uh, I had my two boys in the car and like one of them started secondary school last week and like or two weeks ago and I was like him this morning it was uh, 
it was quiet, it was nervous, but um, I think once we got down to it, uh, look, the bar is well set up uh, under the guidelines. Um, so, look, it's, it's been great so far. We're, we're open now just over half an hour, and um, some people have come and gone, but there's still people here, obviously, in the bar as well. So it's, uh, look, looking forward to it. We have to work within guidelines. Our capacity is greatly reduced. We can only have 32 people here on our premises. That's our maximum capacity. Um, so look, until we get up and running and really see how, um, look, it, it is what it is. We have to get on with it. Okay, talk us through. As you say, you you're open, but you are subject to uh, strict guidelines. Can you can you just talk us through some of the guidelines, just even from your own pub's point of view? And obviously, yeah. this will be the same for every pub. But pubs, depending on their size, will be different. You've got thirty two yeah. maximum, and yours larger yeah. pubs will be able to have more. Yeah. So when the person comes to the door, we obviously have signage up that if they're feeling unwell. Um, or if they have any displaying any symptoms of COVID nineteen, high temperature, shortness of breath, breathing difficulties, or a cough, obviously asking them not to enter. Uh, if they are going to enter, we have other signs up saying you know the the government guidelines were published on the eighteenth of August. All customers to wear face coverings until they're seated, and again under departure. Um, so when the person comes to the door, they'll enter. They'll see a sign. Please wait to be seated. At that point, we will take the contact details. If it's a group of, say, four or three or two, uh, we take the contact details of that person for the group and then we will show them to a, t- uh, a table where there'll be the, the required seating for whatever that number is. We can only have a maximum of six, but if there's a, a six in the group, they can be only from three households. Um, so so do, you, do you have to police that part of it? Do you have to ask people or are you just trusting people when they yeah. arrive? No, we'll, we'll have to ask people that question um, and then... Uh, obviously, the the public will give us the answer, and we will we will record it in the in our contact tracing sheet, and then seat them. At which point, when they're seated, they can remove their mask. We take their order from them, and we get their drinks and deliver it to the table. So it's a it's a vastly changed. Look, we're a real traditional bar in the heart of the city. People would have come in, sat at the counter. That would be something that will, I think, for me personally, I will miss because that's where the heartbeat of our bar was. The, you know, somebody coming in in their own city at the counter, having a chat with them, finding out things about them, trying to help them if they were a tourist, giving them, you know, information or where to go, what to do, uh, things to, you know, restaurants to eat in, places to see. So that's gone. It's it's going to be slightly different but look as we've seen this morning when people are sitting at tables they'll still converse with each other and it was great to see for the last half an hour um, uh, people that haven't really sat down to, to talk to each other for a while sitting down with a drink and still being able to converse with each other Yeah, yeah So then after the first drink if I've, if I've had my first drink and I'm looking for a second drink I've got to either catch your eye or you're, you're going from table to table saying yeah. are you okay here? Yeah, like look, because of the size of our venue here, the bar in the Castle Inn, like we will see all the customers. Yeah. Someone can uh, shout at you. Somebody <laughs> will, or can throw something at me. Maybe, I don't know. Now we'll have no <laughs> violence. There'll be no yeah. throwing anything at our Michael. Just catch his eye, and he'll get you your drink. Yeah, and we'll get the drink again and drop it down to the table. And then, um, if people need to go to the toilet, they can put on their mask, go to the toilet, come back to their seat, and then when they're leaving again, they put on their mask. To, to leave the bar to go out into the onto the streets, you could say. So it's it's vastly changed. But look, it's it's what's going to happen for the next couple of months. So um, 
we have to follow the guidelines and obviously as I said to you before we'll we'll be hoping that the public will will work with us on it because they're not our guidelines but we have to follow them in order to stay open. So it's very similar, Michael, to anyone that has been out since whenever the gastro uh, pubs and restaurants opened. It's the very same as what you've been doing there, except you don't have to have this nine euro substantial meal when they go into when they go into the castle in for a a drink today. Yes, they can just come in and have their if they want one drink or two drinks and uh, and depart again. There's no, no food requirement now from today on. Is there a time limit? If you operate at one metre social distancing, uh, there is a time limit of the 105 minutes. But we've set up our bar now at two metres social distancing, hence we've greatly reduced capacity. And in that instance, there's no time limit. So what we're going to do is we're going to operate for the first week or two to see, to get used to it. And then we reassess this maybe in two weeks' time to see how we're going. But for, for us personally, at the start, we're going with the two metre uh, social distancing. So just, that means walk-ins and you don't have to book a table? Yes, people can just walk in, can come in, and um, if if we have uh, if we have if we have capacity for them at a table, uh, if we have a free table, obviously we seat them. If we're full, unfortunately, we'll be full. But look, as I said, this is what we work in for the for the future. Very different way of doing business, isn't it? It is. It's it's. Good. I suppose. Look, um, for us here, I suppose we're very lucky. We don't have uh, any outstanding debt or we don't have rent bill on the property so we own the property so we have, a, have an advantage but for colleagues of mine in the trade that are paying uh, rent or have a mortgage it's going to be very difficult to meet all your um, all your outgoings if the, with this reduced capacity but look I suppose we, we, we campaigned on along to reassure the public that all the bars are safe um, and that they'll be controlled this is what this is what we're doing and hopefully it will be a, a safe environment for them. Do you have sympathy for the Dublin publicans who are not reopening today, Michael? Absolutely, because look, um, I suppose the, the clusters we've seen from the, um, I suppose, information that have come out, there's been 14 clusters attributed to restaurants, restaurants that are acting as, or bars that are acting as restaurants and cafes where look, we are all well aware it's over 2,000 clusters from house parties. Um, I think my colleagues in Dublin, like us, they've spent a lot of money getting their um, pubs ready. And look, I feel very uh, I feel very sorry for them today that they're not in the same uh, position and given the same opportunity as us to open. And yet the, your biggest dread and the dread of a lot of other publicans, we could be where Dublin is today in a month's time. We don't know. Yeah, look, I suppose today is a joyous occasion uh, to get open. But yes, that's always in the background. It's a, it's a real concern. And look, I suppose as publicans, we can only control our own individual uh, bars. And like we will follow the guidelines as uh, what's laid out by Fonts Ireland and the HSE for us. But a lot of it is outside of our control, as we've seen with house parties and things and social media over the weekends. Even from Dublin, the, there's... Uh, a video going around about the, the, the party in a, a flat complex. I so, saw it, yeah. Um, like, they're really disappointing to see those kinds of things because, look, it's businesses at the end of the day, it's livelihoods that are, are, are at jeopardy here if things like that go on. So we'd be, I suppose, pleading with the public to use common sense to follow the guidelines what the Chief Medical Officer is asking uh, for the last, 
I suppose, especially over the weekend. And hopefully we'll all be in a position to, to stay open. And the next day that we're, I suppose, mandated to close is Christmas Day. So I suppose we'll take it from now to Christmas Day and then reassess again. Someone wants to know, is there a jazz festival this year? There isn't, is there? No. No. The jazz festival is cancelled, so the October weekend will be very, very different for us this year. But I think, look, under the circumstances, I do think it was the right decision to cancel the jazz festival. Um, and I think it may have led to bigger problems uh, with, with all of us having the reduced capacity if the crowd did come to the city. It, it, it would have led to even bigger issues. So no jazz festival this year, but hopefully next year it'll be back bigger and better. Okay. All right. Well, you're open uh, for business uh, day one back after uh, six months. Michael, we wish you good luck with it. It's been a a difficult, difficult uh, six months and we'll check in with you again in the coming weeks to see how it's going. But in the meantime, thank you for joining us today because I know the world and his mother wants to talk to you today. But also we appreciate you've always been available to us uh, throughout the six months that you have been in lockdown. And we really do appreciate you taking time out to talk to us. No problem. Thank you. Thanks, Michael. Bye bye. Bye bye. That is uh, Michael O'Donovan, owner of the Castle Inn. It's a kind of a country pub in the middle of the city, and they are officially underway. And there's already been people in the bar uh, this morning. Somebody saying, My God, I cannot believe it. There's people in the bars already. Nobody thinks of the family problems and the upset of people praying that bars would stay closed. Wives, sons, daughters, even husbands have uh, problems Problems uh, with... Husbands even have problems with wives uh, drinking. Um, uh, I'm. It's very upsetting to see the pubs uh, reopen. Well, listen, we've got... No, and I know the point you're making and there has been... There will always be a problem with problem drinkers, unfortunately. And an alcoholic will get drink whether a pub is open or not. That's the sad, sad reality of the disease that is alcoholism. And I don't know if it's a a bit unfair to blame publicans uh, for that. I think others are just worried about pubs reopening with the whole COVID-19. Somebody said in the numbers are worrying without any pubs opening. God help us all in the next number of weeks. There'll be much more interactions indoor. Uh, indoors we will definitely see a rise. Somebody said delighted to see pubs reopen. It might stop people having house parties. Uh, Michael O'Donovan is right when he says that the biggest cluster of cases have come from house parties, not from the pubs the gastropubs that are already open. We'd like to wish all of the pubs the best of luck. That's from me Hall. Hi Patricia the HSE should announce every day exactly where all the COVID-19 cases are. People have the right to know. That's when we were doing the piece with John Paul who was going through you can, it's on the gov.ie there's a map where you can see all of the different electoral areas and the number of cases over a two week uh, period and we are checking in to find out exactly when that is going to be updated and we'll keep a close eye on it. Tim says Patricia what was Minister Simon Harris doing on the TV talking about COVID-19 I thought he got shafted says uh, Tim well he didn't get shafted he just got moved from the Department of Health he's in the Minister for Higher Education and actually Tim um, a lot of people were quite happy to see Simon Harris back on the TV giving advice on COVID-19. People thought he played a blinder when he was in the Department of Health at the very start of the pandemic. I don't know how many times I've seen on social media and indeed into this programme people saying bring back Simon and Leo 
all is forgiven. So a lot of people would have been comforted to see Minister Simon Harris, even though he's not in health anymore, he's in higher education, talking about uh, COVID-19. And somebody's asking, Patricia, why is the name of the meat plant being withheld in whose interest is that? Well, the HSC will always say that when they announce a cluster, they'll never give the name if it's a school or a meat plant or a hotel, whatever it is. I mean, schools, the names of schools have gotten out and that hasn't come from the HSE. It's generally speaking, parents start talking about it because obviously if there is an outbreak in a school, the parents will get contacted to say it and it's usually then the parents will contact the local media and that's how people find out when there's a particular case in a school but it isn't the HSE and it's all to do with uh, confidentiality is the reason why they don't say where there is a particular outbreak and that's why this map now that they have released might give some comfort because I think people prefer to know if COVID-19 is in their area. Uh, Tony from Douglas on the opening of pubs. I really hope the pub openings have a positive effect on the community. My biggest fear is another lockdown. I don't think it will help the mental health of elderly people, men and women, who've been so looking forward to going for a drink and the social side of going to the pub again. Let's not forget that people going to the pub, it isn't all about the alcohol. Uh, Tony and Douglas is right. There are so many people who have been locked into their own house and really shut away. This is way more than cocooning. People who feel there's nowhere for them to go, people in very rural uh, areas. And that's why today I'm particularly thinking of the small rural pubs and wishing them the very, very best of luck because they're much more than a place to consume alcohol. They're the hub for many people living in a very rural area there's nowhere else uh, for them to go Hi Patricia it's all it's because all the dubs are down in Cork that's why we're seeing a rise in numbers I looked yesterday and everywhere around me was Dublin registered cars and actually we're getting a couple of similar calls in like that somebody else saying did anybody else notice the number of Dublin people that were around at the weekend I thought they weren't meant to drive outside of their county well they shouldn't be driving since Saturday and maybe they were already out I don't know uh, Mary said if somebody noticed if publicans noticed du- people with Dublin accents coming into the bar, bar what would they do about that remember we've got Dublin people who live in Cork as well you can have somebody with a very strong Dublin accent and they've been living in Cork for many many years but I don't know I, I don't know how many people are travelling we're told that the Gardaí are manning checkpoints stopping Dublin people from leaving Dublin or asking them they can leave but if they've got to have a genuine reason for leaving it's the same if anybody from anywhere in uh, outside of Dublin want to go to Dublin you have to have a genuine reason for it Mary thought that Senator Tim Lombard con- contradicted himself when he was talking about Dublin and his fear about going to Dublin and yet he said he's going to Dublin for three days he shouldn't be going to Dublin when we know Dublin is locked down he should be doing it by Zoom but Mary we looked into that last week when people were saying about the Dáil meeting in Dublin particularly when, when we had Stephen Donnelly who was queried as COVID-19 and the whole Dáil had to be suspended and then they changed their mind on it and then it turned out he didn't have COVID-19 but people were making the point at the time if they weren't all in the doll together, they wouldn't have all put themselves at risk if he had been COVID-19 positive. But it turned out it's actually in our constitution that they must meet collectively as a group, that they can't do it over the phone or when our constitution would have been put in place. We certainly didn't have Zoom at the time. So it's they have no choice because listening to Senator Tim Lombard, if you gave him a choice, he wouldn't be getting in the car and going to Dublin. He's very nervous 
about uh, going there. John says the pubs in rural Ireland are on their knees and it's nothing to do with COVID-19. The reason for it is there's very few people going into the pubs. Meat factories are where the virus has been happening. It's not the pubs in rural Ireland. They need to do something about meat plants. They need to get on top of the meat plants. Well, I was giving the figures for the meat plants. It was, there was four, when I was looking at this over the weekend, there was, there's been 44 clusters but when you dig down into the 44 clusters then, that led to 1,600 COVID-19 positive cases. It was a huge figure, even though that number now is way down. That was back in the day when the meat plants had a lot of COVID-19 cases and we're now back to serial testing in meat plants. And I know the positivity rate with the weekly testing is very, very uh, low, but that's not to say that it couldn't happen again. And Mick says children... Has anybody else noticed this? This is to do with students who are in school and they're all wearing their masks and schools are doing brilliantly for, you know, making students wear their masks all day. But young people in secondary school, I'm assuming this doesn't happen in primary school, but in secondary school, they are allowed out at lunchtime. Mick has noticed a huge number of students leaving the school, heading out to local shops to buy their lunch and then they're all gathering in big groups. He said, I've seen groups of up to 30 of them eating their lunch and they're obviously not wearing their masks. Do the schools need to do something about restricting students and keeping them inside let them all bring a packed lunch with them as the primary school students do and don't have them out congregating in the local community because they do have a tendency to gather in groups then when they're trying to eat their lunch and I'm assuming that's replicated all over the country on schools that are allowing their students to go out at lunchtime to buy their lunch. Mick reckons we should be going back to the packed uh, lunch. And Margaret says, I booked my NCT on Friday for Charleville. The closest date I can get is February of 2021, even though my NCT is out on the 4th of November. But if you check, Margaret, all of the NCTs were given, isn't it an extra four months? I know my NCT, if you look at my car, says it's out in September. But when, when I went online, my NCT by their records now is not out until January so you do have an extra four months so if your NCT is out in November you'll have November December January February you'll have until February March you'll be into the 4th of March before your actual NCT is out everybody got the the add-on of four months because with the NCT centres closed there was a massive backlog of people trying to get their car NCT'd 1850 333 103 we have John Paul and Sadie taking your calls you can text her WhatsApp 0862 103 103 C103 Jobs Bus driver with a D licence is required. That's for the Johalo area. Applicants must hold a current CPC card and you also need to be guarded vetted. An ADI improved driving instructor wanted for Formoy and Mitchellstown. While a qualified electrician is required for Cork City and a carpenter is wanted for Mallow. And Coolmore Foods, they are based in Bandon are looking for general operatives for their factory. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. Court today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 103 103. Now, I will come back to pubs reopening because I can see a lot of commentary coming in but I want to move on to a very different issue this morning because Sir Vital Check campaigner Vicky Phelan has pledged her support for the Dying with Dignity Bill which was reintroduced to the Dáil last week. Now not everyone is happy with this bill 
including members of the Oireachtas. So to discuss both sides of what is a very emotive issue, I'm joined by Solidarity TD Mick Barry and also independent, uh, West Cork Independent All Deputy Michael Collins. Good morning to you gentlemen. Good morning to you, uh, and you're both very welcome. Mick, if I can start with you, because it's your party colleague, uh, Gino Kenny, who is behind this bill. Do, is this the same bill that was worked on by John Halligan back, I think it's about five years ago, 2015? Essentially, yes, it is, uh, Patricia. So uh, the gist of it. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. It is to say that people who are terminally ill, uh, who have a, a, an incurable illness, and uh, that illness is getting progressively worse, that they should have a choice uh, as to uh, how they die. Um, you know, they may feel that the level of pain is something uh, that they don't want to be dealing with, uh, and they may make a decision themselves, a choice, maybe a decision that might be made with a loved one, to say, I want some assistance uh, uh, in my death. Uh, I want to decide the way in which uh, I die, and I want to be able to die with dignity. At the moment, that cannot happen uh, in this country. Uh, it is illegal. <coughs> there was a, uh, there have been a number of court cases uh, around this, and this is to change the law so as to give a person in that situation uh, a choice in the matter to die with dignity. And I think the fact that Vicky Phelan has come out in the last uh, short while 
to say that she is supporting this di- uh, bill and she wants it to, to see it passed by the Oireachtas has kind of put it, um, um, you know, I won't say centre stage, but has kind of, uh, um, you know, made it, uh, shone a, a spotlight on it. And you agree that we need this bill on the statute books? Yes, uh, I, I think uh, we do. I mean, we had um, a case back in uh, 2013, um, the Mary Fleming case. Mm. Uh, Mary had MS. She had MS, yeah. Mm. She was uh, a woman in her in her late 50s. She was a university lecturer. Uh, she was in the late stages uh, of, of MS. Uh, and she said, look, you know, if I'm going to be leaving this world, I want to decide... Um, how it is done. I want it to be on my terms. And she discussed this with her partner, uh, Tom Curran, uh, and they wanted uh, her to be able to die with dignity and to uh, be uh, have an assisted death. Um, but they, they had to take the case. It went all the way to the Supreme Court. And the Supreme Court judge said, um, no, it goes against the law in this country. Uh, but if the legislature, if the Oireachtas, if the politicians were to decide to change the law, um, well, then that would be a different matter. So he kind of put the ball into the court uh, of the doll, into the court of the TDs. Uh, John Halligan uh, tried to take the issue up, uh, but he's no longer in the doll. So my colleague, Gino Kelly, Kenny has um, taken up the, uh, the issue, so to speak. And, uh, and has that, moved it now at first stage. And that's and and that's where we are. And by the way, do you prefer the the term assisted death rather than assisted suicide? I think assisted death is is a good term. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Just uh, just out of interest, now, so how you mentioned. Let me bring in uh, Michael Collins, uh, independent all deputy in West Cork. Uh, Michael, why are you so against this dying with dignity bill? Well, I suppose uh, hi Patricia to start with. Uh, it's a very sensitive and challenging issue, and there's no one uh, going to dispute that, and everybody. Everybody, every human being that lives fears death. And um, I, I looked at models, and the only way you can prove where this has either worked or not worked is countries that it has been rolled out. Now, you look at countries, most countries across Europe and across the world have steered well clear of this. Uh, the UK has debated this for decades and decades. And in 2015, the last uh, vote had, uh, it was defeated uh, by 330 votes to 118 votes. But I do look at countries where uh, euthanasia has been used or, you know, um, dying with dignity or whatever they want to call it. Um, and, and, and well, these legislated and brought it in, like any bill can be put before the doll and bills can be changed as well. We can see and statutory instruments can be thrown in on top of us within a, a day of, 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 of making a decision, even in the doll. But if you look at the, the situation in, in, in Belgium and Netherlands in 2002, they, they legalised it with a lot of strict... Uh, conditions and safeguards there. Now, since then, uh, things have changed. The goalposts are changing uh, dramatically. In the, in the Netherlands, uh, it now comes from 4% of their debts. Uh, and in some cases, you know, you have, we say, as they call it now, the famous Romeo and Juliet cases, where couples are, are euthanized together. And it's no point in we... Well, I, I, I don't know. Euthanasia and dying with dignity are two very different things, Michael. Yeah, but they're they're in and about the same same situation here. You are the same. Well, we can call it dying with dignity. We can call it assisted, assisted death. Say, yeah, assisted death. So many others, but it is in and around the same area. In 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 Belgium, it's assisted death. Uh, it's used in situations. 
situations, no, it wasn't. In the 2002, it's no use in situations where depression, blindness, deafness, anorexia, gender identity crisis. These are well, I, I don't, I don't, I, I don't have the evidence to back that up, uh, Michael. But can, can I just say to you, what, what do you say to somebody like Vicky Phelan, um, who I thought made a very impassionate plea last week, and she, and she basically is afraid of dying in extreme pain and forcing her family and her children in particular to watch her in extreme pain, and she now wants the right to be able to end her life when she feels the time is right. How, what do you say to somebody like Vicky, Michael? Well, I think, to be honest with you, the state uh, should be uh, investing more in, in, in palliative care. It should be investing more on, 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 on our care, caring uh, in, in the home, caring in the hospital better, more medical aid. We should be debating that, in my view, better home health structures to make people, you know, at least have some kind of ease at the end of life. It's a, it's a difficult situation. It's very hard to argue these situations at times because I believe we'll say hard cases and, and in Vicky feeling situation, everyone knows what she's gone through all her life to date and, and it's been a, a difficult and a very, very difficult life. But I believe hard cases, Patricia, make very, very poor laws. Okay, and Mick, is that the answer? We need to invest more in palliative care. Well, I agree with uh, Michael on that. We do need more uh, investment in palliative care, and we also need more investment uh, in the home health service. But no matter how much investment you have uh, in palliative care, we haven't reached uh, the stage where uh, it's possible to guarantee somebody uh, that there will not be uh, pain, including a significant amount of pain, uh, in in their death. And I think that there is an issue here of for want of a better word, of autonomy. Um, should someone be able to choose when they are in that situation, uh, terminally ill, progressive Ill uh, progressively uh, uh, ill, as they move towards their death, uh, to, to leave this world on their own terms, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Michael mentioned uh, the question of depression there. There, there, is, there is no proposal here to uh, allow... Uh, assisted dying uh, in the case of depression. The bill is very, very clear. We're talking about cases where people are terminally ill with a progressive illness where it is their choice, right, that they consent to this. Um, There's provision in it that they would have to sign a form themselves, that it would need to be witnessed, that there would be two medical practitioners um, uh, involved in the process, and that there would be a cooling-off period uh, of two weeks in case someone were to change their mind. So this is not about the state um, organising the death of people against their will or anything, anything of that kind. Uh, to be clear on that, this is about people's personal choice in a situation where they are terminally ill and for their right to uh, die with dignity. That is the issue here. Michael, we know that um, assisted death, assisted suicide, as you mentioned yourself, is legal in other countries. Do we not have the benefit of those other states and their legislation to make sure that if we do introduce it in this country, that we get it right and that we protect the vulnerable people that you're talking about, that you're fearful of, could lead to euthanasia? Uh, Yes, Patricia, but, you know, some people that live in Belgium and Netherlands thought they got it right in 2002, but uh, in the last number of years, they've decided to make babies. And it's 
the very same, we'll say, with the state of Oregon. Um, evidence, we'll say, uh, they, they put into legislation in 1998 and 1999. They've recently changed. Now it's allowing a doctor to wait 15 day waiting period, which was there before, which is, we say, included in their original legislation to safeguard and protect the vulnerable, the depressed people, who might change their minds. So now they've made changes, and that's the worry that we have here. We say, you know, and in fairness to Mick, he said there, and, and Gene O'Kelly is bringing forward a bill like the utmost respect to Gene O'Kelly, we know a spot bravely for people that are suffering with the need of medicinal cannabis. So I'm not taking in any, any way any swipe at anybody here. The problem is the proposals that are there now have a lot of safeguards in it. Uh, but I know, and the public should know, that these safeguards won't be there in two to three and four years' time. And it can well change within the law. Michael, do you, uh, Mick, do you worry about that? That if we didn't get the legislation right, is that a concern of yours? Is it a concern of Gina Kenny's? I think that um, uh, if there's legislation introduced to allow uh, people to die with dignity, that there would be that that is not going to happen without a considerable amount of discussion and debate within society, because um, it is a sensitive issue and it is an issue on on, on which people you know, would want to look at this very carefully. Um, I think, therefore, if it does come in, um, the idea of it being, you know, radically changed uh, two or three years down the road to allow situations that, you know, people would not uh, be in favour of, um, I I can't see that situation because there's there's going to be a big level of interest in this and and, um, the legislature, the doll, will have... Uh, an important say in relation to it. I think another point that is um, close from some of the comments uh, uh, made by Michael there, which is to say that uh, this is something which is uh, legal in other European countries. And we have um, a tradition, a a bad tradition in my opinion, of uh, exporting uh, social problems and issues to other countries. We had that um, with abortion uh, in recent times, and the country decided to make a change in relation to that. We'll deal with our issues here in our own country. But of course, um, there are people uh, in Ireland with terminal illnesses who want to die with dignity, who go to other countries. But it is illegal to assist them in doing so. We had the Gail O'Rourke case. Yeah. Um, Gail uh, booked tickets on a flight for a friend of hers uh, who wanted to fly to Zurich in uh, Switzerland. To Dignitas. Uh, to Dignitas yeah. and to avail of, of the arrangements that were legal in Switzerland. And Gail was dragged in front of the courts um, uh, uh, and, and the charges that were brought against her were very serious. I mean, she, And that she was because herself, she booked the tickets. She booked the tickets. So she was seen to be assisting. Yeah, so the yeah. idea that this doesn't happen in this country uh, or that people in this country uh, don't already assist loved ones. Um, that's not the case. But they are in a very precarious legal position, uh, should they do so, despite the fact uh, that uh, the, the, the Gail was not prosecuted. She, she had it hanging over her head for quite a while. OK, listen to my text uh, going, Hi, I have uh, MS. Is Michael Collins telling me that I don't know my own mind? My worst fear is not being capable of doing anything for myself and then ending up on pain relief that would just leave me like a vegetable. That's not the kind of life I want to leave to live. Michael? Well, look, everybody... 
some stage make up their mind on, on, on this assisted uh, dying uh, bill. Uh, I, you know, looked at uh, cases across the world. To my ability, I don't have that uh, huge resources as major political parties have projected this. I looked at, the, we say, the state of in Washington, 56% of the people who died, the elderly people who died under assisted living said they did it because they, they didn't want to be a burden on their family of friends. That's going to have a radical effect on all the people and their work in this country. And it's terrible, a terrible uh, situation contained in that what 56% of people who died under assisted dying said they didn't want to be a burden on their family of friends. That's dreadful. That's the way this law is going to be. I, I, w- I would hate to think that we would ever get th- that we would have that kind of mentality in in our in our society. Mick, do you know will there be a free vote? Somebody wants to know allowing TDs to vote with their conscience rather than along party lines. At the moment, the answer to that question is uh, no. There is no free vote has been organised. Uh, but Vicky Phelan made an appeal uh, to the parties uh, to allow. Um, all TDs to vote according to their conscience on this. In other words, that there wouldn't be a party whip. Um, I understand that in all of the government parties, there is at least a degree of pressure from some TDs to say, uh, I would like there to be a free vote. I would like to be able to vote according to my conscience on this. I understand that that seems to be particularly strong in the Green Party. And I I don't think that this is an issue on which, um, you know, TDs should be whipped into line in order to... uh, to uh, vote down the opportunity to uh, uh, provide a choice. And this is about choice. I just want to pick up briefly on the point that your last caller made. Um, She said that she wanted to have a choice in this issue. And Michael said that, you know, all people are going to have to make up their own minds and decide where they feel on this bill. But it skips around the issue. The issue is that at the moment... People like Vicky Phelan, people like Mary Fleming, uh, people with terminal illnesses, um, which are getting progressively worse, are denied a choice. They're denied a choice. And some of them have had to go, even while ill and in pain, and argue their case in front of the judges. And the judges have said, look, the politicians must decide. And the politicians should have a free vote. And in my view, they should decide to allow people a choice on this issue. Okay, and somebody's saying, what's the difference between dying with dignity and a do not resuscitate order? There's not a lot of difference, is there, Patricia? No, no, when you look at it like that, there isn't, there isn't, okay. Uh, All right, and someone else is pointing to a survey that showed 85% of Irish people want this dying with dignity bill and to tell uh, Michael Collins uh, you're after getting it wrong this time. Okay, listen, we leave it there. It's an issue I know we will return to again, but I I, am thankful to both of you for joining us and uh, discussing it with us on the programme today. Thank you. Good morning to you. Uh, Bye-bye. That is Deputy Michael Collins and Deputy Mick uh, Barry. Meg says, I disagree with Michael Collins. Picking bits isn't a valid reason. And Tim says, Mick Barry cannot play God. It took a long long campaign to abolish the death uh, penalty. Uh, Patricia, people should have the right to die with dignity. I would if I had the choice. Some deaths are just so painful. I've witnessed them and I don't like the suicide reference to it either, says Mary. Yeah, that's why I think assisted death rather than a assisted uh, suicide. And hi, Patricia, what next? When the government passed the abortion bill, it was only a matter of time before this topic of dying with dignity would be raised. With an agreement on assisted deaths for the terminally ill 
all people being implemented. It'll only be a short while before people just wishing to opt out of life will feel they are being discriminated against. Palliative care needs to be reviewed and improved to enable everyone to die without pain. And in the ideal world, that's where we would be. Thank you for that. OK, that's some of your calls and comments coming into the programme. Keep them coming. Court today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850-333-103. OK, and I can see a number of people actually texting in uh, saying, I personally think people should have the opportunity to make up their own minds when it comes to dying with the dignity. But it should be done with very strict uh, guidelines. And uh, Dennis says, uh, Patricia, can you answer the question, what's the difference between palliative care and assisted death? Uh, or palliative care gives people uh, a death without pain in the ideal world is it is I mean you wouldn't it's not classed as assisted death for sure what we're talking about here with the dying with dignity bill is people will have the right to choose uh, when and how they actually uh, pass away okay uh, I've got another ad break my apologies I was backed up with ad breaks there because of that chat with uh, Michael and uh, with Mick we are taking your questions for Annalise Drissel please uh, our nutritional therapist who will be joining us after half Half past 11 today. If you have a question for Annalise, can you get it into us? Uh, John Paul and Sadie are taking the calls and you can text her WhatsApp 0862 103 103. And I can see a lot of commentary as well coming in that we didn't get to uh, today. Some people are talking about the pubs reopening. We'll take a look at, at those comments uh, in a couple of minutes. And others are talking about, um, was there a lot of people in beaches yesterday? Sorry, I, I know what's buzzing there, John Paul. Thank you. It's the headphones were left up. Sorry, couldn't work out what was buzzing in the background. Somebody was saying they were at a beach in Garrettstown. Uh, Gary, Gary Lucas yesterday afternoon. Place was chock a block. Not a guard in sight. Got help the social distancing. Where others? Because oh, no, it was a beautiful weekend. So I'm assuming there was a lot of people out and about yesterday. Did people notice that there wasn't a lot of social distancing going on? People are worried with the number of cases that were recorded at the weekend, highest in numbers of figures we've seen in. Cork for I would say ever I would imagine on a weekend looking at those figures since the pandemic uh, began I'll have to check back but they certainly were very worrying figures uh, on Saturday and Sunday people are worrying about the number of people that are out and about with the uh, fine weather bring on the cold weather so somebody will keep everybody indoors 1850 This is Cork Today Cork Today with Patricia Messenger on C103 Cork's greatest You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. You can see some questions coming in for Annalise. Keep them coming, please. She'll join us after half past 12 if you have a nutritional question that Annalise uh, can give you advice on. Sadie John Paul taking the calls 1850-333-103. Text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. A lot of different commentary coming into us this morning. Let me take a look at some of it. We were talking about the the Dying with Dignity Bill, which is before the doll. And as I say, it is one of those very, very emotive issues. People have very strong views on both sides. It's, it really is uh, emotive. But I can see there are a lot of people certainly contacting the programme today who think it should be a person's right to if they are terminally ill or they are suffering from uh, an illness that's just going to get progressively worse that they should have the right to choose to die with dignity rather than to die in uh, pain and then there's the other side of the coin that people worry about that if you bring in dying with dignity could it lead to euthanasia could it lead to a case where we're suddenly 
uh, all, all older people of a certain age are being pushed down that uh, road. I think it will very much depend on the type of legislation, the wording of the uh, legislation. And I would hate to think what Michael Collins was saying in some states in America that have dying with uh, dignity that some older people sign up for because they don't want to be a burden on their families. And I would hate to think we would ever in this country uh, become a society like that where older people would feel they were a burden on society and the easiest way was for them to die with uh, dignity. Hi Patricia, I live alone. I watched my mum die in pain some years ago and then my only child died five years ago. I was diagnosed with stage three breast, breast cancer in 2018. I had six months of chemotherapy, a mastectomy and then two months of radiotherapy. I'm doing really well. But should my cancer come back, I want the right to choose how. I will die. After all, we make choices in life that, sh- that should remain the same with our choice with uh, death. Goodness me, you've been on a tough, tough road. I'm, I'm glad to see that you're doing well now. And please God, the cancer will never, ever return. But it's very hard to argue with someone like that who has watched a loved one die in pain. Now, we do have wonderful pal- palliative care teams in this country. But it doesn't always work for people. We don't always have the care that we need at the time that we need it. And that's one of Vicky Phelan, of this, who has terminal cancer because of the vital check controversy. That was one of the points she made. Like she knows she's dying. She knows, you know, she doesn't know when, but she knows in the next number of years she's not going to be with her family and she wants to have the best quality time with her family particularly towards the end and she doesn't want her children to watch her die in pain as this woman had you know this woman's mother um, was in that situation so it is that's why I say it's a very emotive issue but it's very hard to argue when you get a text in like that as to why that woman if she ends up with the cancer returning and it's a terminal diagnosis why she doesn't have the right of the type of death that you would like to have. But as I say, I hope you stay really, really well. Look after yourself and thank you for taking the time out to text us at 0862 103 103. And by the way, I'm not ignoring texts in, like for example, there's one in from Dan who is naming a facility in Cork County where it is suspected that there has been 20 COVID positive cases That's where the rumour machine that we were talking about earlier with Tim Lombard. I have no way, Dan, of confirming where you're talking about. I I will agree. I've heard the exact same rumour myself over the weekend, but I've no way of confirming it. If I get onto the HSC, they won't confirm it for me. Even if I give them exact details that you've given me, they won't confirm it. And it's all down to this privacy and they won't state where there is a particular cluster. And I know that then puts fear because that rumour I heard the rumour at the weekend. Dan, you've obviously heard it as well. I don't know if you're living in that area or not, but if you're living in that area, you could sense almost a bit of panic going on and then people avoiding anyone who works at that facility or if you live near anybody who works by that facility. That's why sometimes I think giving us the accurate and the up-to-date information can help then people to make informed choices about whether they want to socialise in that area or not or whether people in that area are going to be extra careful even though I suppose Neffet will say you, everyone we come in contact 
we should act as if they are COVID-19 positive and likewise we should be acting as if we have COVID-19 and we're, we are in danger of passing it on to everyone else. That's why we're all told to wear masks, uh, etc. Uh, but but I can't have it get it confirmed for you, uh, Dan, unfortunately. And then somebody else, and again, I'm trying to get confirmation on this, has named a county town and said that they've passed through, this was in the last hour, and claims, and I no more believe this, that there's a hundred people queuing outside a bar, um, but they're all social distancing. I, I would love to know if anyone can confirm that there has been a queue outside any pub. I mean, even speaking with Michael O'Donovan of the Castle Inn in the city, said he's had a few people in, but I don't think there's a hundred people queuing on a Monday morning to get into a bar. Certainly when you looked, when we were talking about that survey, that online survey that the journal.ie did, which showed the majority of people have no intentions of going anywhere near a bar this week. That's not to say that as we head towards the weekend, you might not have more people heading towards the bar, but I certainly don't think that there is anywhere anywhere in the country, let alone here in Cork, that there are a hundred people queuing outside a pub to get in. And somebody else says it will be amazing to see people back supping pints. It will be an amazing sight. So there are lots of people very much in favour of the pubs opening. Likewise, we're hearing a lot of people who are very much against the idea of pubs opening. Uh, Mary says, I'm pleased to see pubs opening. The house parties are far more dangerous. There's no control in any of the house parties. They can buy all the drink they want in the off-licence. It's not just off-licence, they can get it at the supermarket markets as well Mary. I don't drink but family run pubs are finished. God help them says uh, Mary. Yeah and we don't know and we won't know for a few weeks how many pubs have made that decision not to open at all and there will be we know there will be a cohort of uh, pubs who because they've been closed for six months and because they've lost so much by being closed for six months that they're simply it will not be financially viable for them to open and to remain in business. I mean, even when Michael O'Donovan was talking to us, he's got, I think, 32 is the maximum amount he can have in his pub now. On a Monday morning, he's not going to have 32 people in there. But the problem is, for a lot of the smaller pubs, when they do the two metre social distancing or the one metre social distance distancing and the people coming in and having their few drinks, that they just won't make enough money to justify remaining open. So you are right, we will lose a lot. And some of those family pubs are the smaller ones. They are the ones I think that uh, sadly we will lose in this country. And then Margaret is in, here's a dilemma that Margaret finds herself in and no doubt there are others will be able to identify with this. Margaret says, we have a situation in our house with a person that we care for who has an underlying health condition so would be hugely at risk if they picked up COVID-19 and this man just can't wait to go back into his local bar to have a drink and to meet up with the friends etc. Margaret says we don't think he should be going to the pub. We've contacted his local bar and told them about the situation but they say there's nothing that they can do. If he comes in for a pint he comes in for a pint. We've made the bar owner aware and we're wondering should the bar owner at least say to this customer the danger he's putting himself in or at least limit the time he spends in the pub. As his carer I'm worried for this uh, person in case they pick up COVID-19 while in the bar. It's a worrying time for carers something that has never been mentioned with the wet pubs all reopening uh, today. Yeah, that is a tricky one. It's a tricky one because if somebody has an underlying health condition and many people with underlying health conditions have been really good about cocooning themselves and even when 
people with an underlying health condition were allowed out of the so-called lockdown. There are some people, and we've spoken with some of them on the programme, who have remained cocooned because of their health and because they know if they picked up COVID-19, it could be the end uh, for some of them. But others then, I suppose, have to make the personal choice themselves. You've done the right thing, Margaret, in speaking to the person. All you can do is to tell them when they do go to the bar for their few drinks that they do everything right, that they keep away from people, that they hand sanitise, make sure they're wearing their masks going into the bar, make sure if they're going to the toilet they put their mask on, you know, and just tell them to look after themselves, you know, talk to them about how important it is that they don't get uh, COVID-19. But it's obviously an adult you're speaking about who feels they have haven't been in a pub obviously for the last six months and desperately wants to they want to go out and a lot of it is to do with socialising more than the actual getting the alcohol into them it's to make life feel a little bit normal for them and you think of the people who are who have been almost locked into their own homes for six months because the only thing that they had before we had COVID was maybe once or twice a week going down to the local bar catching up with friends, talking about the local GAA match, maybe, you know, playing a game of cards. I don't know if it's card playing gone now with COVID-19 or not. But that whole thing of just spending time with others and trying to feel a little, a little bit normal. And that would be important for this man's mental health as well, that he gets out and he socialises. But you're, you are a caring person as his carer, Margaret, and I can sense your worry. And, you, and you're not on your own. I think there's probably many others in the same situation. And you are right. It is something I think that hasn't been discussed when we've been discussing the reopening of the uh, West pubs. Hopefully everything will go OK and that he'll go into a pub where the bar owner is doing everything right and that nobody will come near him who has COVID-19 and that he'll be able to have his little bit of a social life and that he'll return home and he'll be fine. He'll, he will be fine and uh, his life will return to some kind of normality uh, for him. Thank you for your call, Margaret, to 1850-333-103. Jerry in, in Cove says, over the last number of weeks, Bishop William Crane has been doing some fantastic comedies. He gave one recently on tolerance and how we should all be tolerant of people. And that's something I think we all need to learn. I think with the pandemic going on, we seem to be getting less tolerant of, of people. And he says it was very interesting to listen uh, to him. Uh, one of the most interesting homilies, says Jerry, I've heard in a long time and he spoke about COVID-19 and gave a very different slant on it and his homilies are not always about uh, religion. Well done, Bishop William Crane certainly seems to be doing really, really well and thank you for that and uh, I'm sure uh, Bishop Crane, if he's listening, will be delighted uh, to hear you say that. Hi Patricia, could you give a quick mention on your programme please to the following and thanks for the Simply Red music this morning. I'm glad you enjoyed that. Uh, Broomhill Vintage Club are hosting the Denjo Deneen, the Denjo Deneen Memorial Vintage Classic Car Run. It's happening next Sunday, September the 27th. They will meet at the Dairy Gold Car, the Dairy Gold Yard, that's in Coachford. Registration will open at 11am and entry is free. They will leave Coachford then at 12 noon, heading south to Bantry via Ballingiri. All vintage and classic cars and motorcycles are welcome. And obviously you can do a vintage run and all be socially distanced because they'll all be in their own cars or on their own in their own vintage cars or their classic cars or they'll be in their own motorcycles so they'll all be able to socially distance. So, well done. And it's it's the, the Denjo Deneen Memorial Classic 
car, vintage and classic car run. It's happening next Sunday. If you would like further details, you can contact. Um, let me give you one of the numbers uh, here. This is Tiges number 087. 2426343. Best of luck to everybody taking part in that. And can anybody tell us, please, this is on behalf of the girls. <laughs> is there any driving bingo in Mallow on Friday night in the GAA? The girls want to know. Thanking you. I know it got cancelled when we reduced the numbers who were allowed to gather outside, even though we've heard of other driving bingos that are going ahead. So I don't know what's happening. If anybody can tell us, anybody involved in the GAA in Mallow, please, the drive-in bingo, is it back on on Friday night or is it, has it, is it still postponed? 1850 103. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council. Supporting businesses, supporting communities, serving Cork. Visit corkcoco.ie. Balancholic GAA Club are hosting a coffee morning. It's a native Marymount Hospice and it's happening this Thursday morning from 9am to 2pm. Please uh, support and ensure social distancing measures are adhered to. Kildallery Community Development have got their weekly lotto draw. That's also this Thursday, 4 o'clock in the afternoon, and it'll be in Kildallery Community Office. The jackpot is €2,600. West Cork Toastmasters are inviting you to join their open day by Zoom link on next Saturday for a flavour of their topics. For more, you can see the West Cork Toastmasters on Facebook, or you can email westcorktm at gmail.com in order to get the Zoom link. Well done, I think that's the first Toastmasters I've seen back in action doing it on Zoom. And Boherbui Penny Dinners Collection has been held in Boherbui Parish Hall on next Sunday, September 27th between 10am and 1pm. Items acceptable are cash, perishable goods and they're also looking for your home baking. You please ask to support. Record today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 2103 103. OK, some of your comments and questions coming in. Hi Patricia, how can I check the virus in County Cork. It's on gov.ie. If you go to gov.ie forward slash COVID, now there is a huge amount of information. So if you go down through it, you'll find the map. You'll also get the count the the cases by uh, county. Um, but that's they they do that on a daily basis. They they show you you know the overall figure. But that's the overall figure since the start of the pandemic. I mean, looking at it here, the for Cork this would have been up to yesterday. I'm assuming this is all statistics measured midnight Friday the 18th. I think these were, yeah, up to Friday the 18th. Okay, there are a couple of days behind. So the Cork figure will have changed because we know on Saturday and Sunday what happened. But up to Friday, for example, the Cork figure is 1,747. But that's since the start of the pandemic. Um, but that, that figure, every couple of days, that figure changes. So if you go to gov.ie and then when you, go there you'll see the COVID section and then go into the COVID section and you can plough down through it there are pages and pages of information if uh, you want to go down and take a look at what is going on thank you for questions coming in for Annalise we'll be putting those to Annalise uh, a little bit later on um, or coming up in a couple of minutes here on the programme so keep those uh, coming some more of your comments uh, Bishop's Cranes homilies that somebody contacted you about can be read on the news section oh thank you the news section of the Cloyne Darson website if anybody wants to take a look at them. Thank you for that. So, because somebody said that they're quite uh, inspiring and they're not all about religion, as somebody said uh, as well. 
Hi Patricia, the hammering the hospitality venues are getting are getting. Can anybody explain why off license a sure route to trouble? Recovered seem to be untouchable. There has there's well there's we've had a number of people on this program. Uh, call for them to be closed but it's something that has absolutely never happened um, and never will happen I mean we can you can forget about it that's never going to happen that we there will be a ban put on alcohol and the sale of alcohol in this country it just won't happen earlier I mentioned that they are talking the government are talking about in the budget which is due in October that there's going to be a package for taxi drivers because taxi drivers have been um, affected uh, Dennis uh, wants to know uh, when when it comes to taxi drivers why should there be a package for taxi drivers it sounds to me like it'll be a subsidy for them to sit in their cars that to me sounds like the dole taxi drivers will be better off either reskilling or picking up a shovel and clearing a drain says Dennis I think a lot of taxi drivers won't agree with you on that one Dennis and we need to have taxis we we've, we absolutely need to have uh, taxis oh and then on playing cards when I was saying people are going back out into the pubs and for many people, of a, particularly people of a certain age, the socialising, going to the local pub, it isn't always about the drink. It's about meeting up with neighbours and friends. And for some people, they might see another human being from one end of the week to the other until they went to their local pub. And some of them, I said, went for a game of cards. And I was wondering, will they be back playing cards again? And Catherine says, unfortunately, cards are gone since the start of COVID and won't be back anytime soon. A very obvious reason. Everybody handles the cards. So all the bugs then, you know, if somebody has COVID or some other kind of a virus, it lives on the cards and it gets spread from one person to the next. Uh, Cards were a great social outing for people, mostly the oldies, says Catherine. But unfortunately, they are gone and certainly won't be back until at least we have a vaccine whenever that will be. Jim says Hi Patricia I wonder what will happen with the senior football championship with the games involving Ballincollig and Newcestown being called off due to COVID cases I think they're waiting on test results aren't they? Will the teams have to forfeit the games if they are not allowed to play as they have to finish the championship before the before Cork play in the inter-county championship game Now I checked with John Paul because he's when he wears another hat, he also produces a sports programme. So he's a man in the know when it comes to sports. And he says, as far as he knows, they're going to reschedule that match. They're waiting on test results. Now, if they get positive cases, it might be a different kettle of fish. But as of now, according to John Paul, they're hoping to reschedule those uh, matches and it will be done in time. John says, Patricia, the whole country should be on lockdown. Uh, why are we not having a lockdown now? It will happen. The country is heading down the drain. Why? Drinking greed, according to John. We should cop on to ourselves and just simply lock the country down. Jo- now listen to this. John says lock the country down for 12 months. He said everyone will be suffering now. People need to wake up when a family de- member dies. That's when people will, will wake up and it will be too late. Are people that stupid, says uh, John, who is very much pushing. I don't know how many others would agree with him, but is very much pushing for a total lockdown in this country. And Timmy says this was on people going to the beach when we mentioned when I mentioned we were getting some calls. In beautiful weather yesterday. And a lot of people headed to the beach. People were saying there was no social distancing going on. There was cars all over the place. And people were saying, 
it, we're, we're, what, what are we doing? What are we doing to ourselves? People felt with the number of people at the beaches were just going to be spreading COVID-19. Tilly makes the point, if people don't mind going to the beach and people want to go to the beach, then let them go to the beach. It's not a childcare service that the government are running here. Why should our beaches be policed? Most people who are heading to the beach are adults. They might be going along with their children, but they're going in a family group. They know how to social distance. Uh, we're getting... Timmy is one of those people I think maybe he listened to Bishop Crean who's saying we need to be more tolerant and we need to be more understanding and I certainly whenever now I wasn't at the beach this weekend but when certainly I was at the beach any of the days where the weather was fine I did find and even though there was a lot of people there was one day in particular now when we were doing our staycation and I was down in Inchitani it was a glorious day in Inchitani no better place to be in the world and we went on to the beach and we picked our spot and we had to walk up and down a few times until we decided where was the best place because we didn't want to be on top of anyone who'd already got to the beach before us. And I have to say, anyone else then that came around us all made sure they were well over two metres apart. And we do have some gorgeous, big, wide beaches where people can safely social distance. You'll always get the stupid people that won't. But I think, you know, Timmy is right. Adults are adults. We need to have... There's, there's a certain amount of this is about personal responsibility. We know the do's and the don'ts. We know the rights and the wrongs. And we all need to start, you know, doing all the basics, all the social distancing, the hand hygiene, the cough etiquette and wearing the masks. 1850 Let's take a break and let's come back with Annalise Drussell answering all of your nutritional questions. That's next. Court today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850 And just a word of warning on scam calls because I haven't come across this one before but Robert has been on to us to say he's had a couple of calls. It's very obviously a scam caller but the person is pretending to be from Amazon and of course they're banking on a lot of people are ordering from Amazon at the moment uh, so just be uh, careful. It seems to be a new scam doing the rounds. Okay, Annalise Drussell of the Health Hub Times Square in Balancolic joining us on this gorgeous sunny afternoon. Good afternoon to you, Annalise. Good afternoon, Patricia. Great to get the bit of autumn sunshine, isn't it? Oh, I love it and it just, anything that puts the winter off, I'm yeah. for. Yeah. <laughs> Long way at last. Okay, let's get straight into questions. Maria wants to know, what tonic would you suggest to boost one's immune system to avoid catching the flu or to avoid catching COVID-19? And she also wonders, if somebody was waiting on a test for COVID-19 and you were on a tonic, would you continue taking it? Yes, absolutely. I think so. Um, Because, I mean, if you're taking something to boost your immune system, I suppose the idea is that you're trying to prevent COVID. So even if you're waiting for a test, um, you still don't want to get it, um, if at all possible. So it's definitely worth continuing on a tonic. Now, the main things, there's so many things, Patricia, at the moment being um, hailed as the, you know, the best thing to take to prevent COVID. But I think if you go for the most basic level things, it should be vitamin D. Now, we've had quite a nice summer, so we probably are all fairly okay for vitamin D if you've been out and about daily in the sunshine. But I would start taking a vitamin D fairly soon because we do store some, but it kind of starts depleting, certainly by the end of October. So don't let yourself get depleted. Take a vitamin D. Vitamin C, of course, is always a great one for the immune system and zinc. So that would be the most basic that you should look for in any kind of a tonic would be the three of those things. And then there's things like elderberry extract, which would be a very good natural anti-viral. 
um, the um, extracts of mushrooms are wonderful for boosting the immune system, especially for people that are immunocompromised and people who would be on immune suppressant drugs. Mushrooms are very safe and mushroom extract are safe to take for those people. It doesn't interfere with their medication. Another one I love as well is the olive leaf extract. That's a great one. Um, and there are a couple of supplements that will have a mix of things in there. So the elderberry complex by BioNutri is a lovely one that has got vitamin C, vitamin um, D and zinc in there, plus your elderberry extract, plus your mushroom extract. And I think Stalgar does an elderberry complex as well that has a similar blend of things. Um, and then the olive leaf, generally, I think it's best to take in liquid form if you can take it. And you should be able to get those three in any health store. Hi, uh, could you ask Annalise, please, what should I be taking for Candida? I've been suffering from it for a while, thanking you, Margaret. Okay, so Candida is quite complex, Patricia. We all have various different yeasts that live in our system and mostly in our, they're in our gut. And Candida albicans is one of those. And when it's in low numbers, it's totally harmless. But if after an antibiotic, um, it's killed all the good bacteria, it can allow these yeasts an opportunity to overgrow. And people who suffer from Candida might have overgrowth, might have symptoms like thrush, fungal toenails, um, feeling tired all the time feeling hungover in the morning, even if they haven't been drinking, a kind of a brain fog, lack of energy. Some people would get very itchy skin, particularly after eating sugars. So there is a diet that you'll find online called the anti-candida diet. Now, I find it's a very difficult diet for people to follow because if you do have a candida overgrowth, you'll already be quite low in your health. And then to cut out foods like you have to cut out all sugars, all grains, um, all carbohydrates, I think people can end up using, losing a lot of weight and feeling actually a lot worse. So I prefer to go at it with various different herbs. And the antifungal herbs you're looking at, garlic, grapefruit seed extract, berberine is another lovely one, clove extract, uh, black walnut extract. Uh, there's a whole blend of different ones. There's different products that you'll find in different health shops. Um, there's one that you'll find in any health shop called Dida, D-I-D-A, and it's by Nordic, um, a company called Nordic. And that is a blend of things like your clove, your garlic, your grapefruit seed extract, um, eudiclenic acid is another one, caprylic acid. These are all things that will be natural antifungals. And the thing to remember as well with Candida, Patricia, is that you need to actually cycle the herbs because the yeast can go into like a dormant cyst form. So once you've done one sort of supplement, take a break for a week and then start on a new one and you're trying to hit it from all angles. Okay, my doctor says this texter recommended Vagifem for postmenopausal symptoms. Uh, could Annalise advise, is it okay to take or would something, is there something more natural that she might recommend? Postmenopausal yeah, so, symptoms. Yeah, so that is um, um, uh, a type of HRT, I suppose, Patricia, that, oh, okay. um, that you don't take orally, that you insert. And it can work very well, but a lot of women find they do develop thrush as a result of it. So the natural alternative that I use for customers here, and it works very well, is the Dr. Delish Clare Vaginal Dryness Cream. And there's wild yam extract in that, which has mild um, hormonal properties, but very gentle. So it doesn't disrupt the natural balance of things and it does help with relieving symptoms. You could also try taking plant-based hormones. These are mildly, very mildly estrogenic and progesteronic um, chemicals that come from plants, substances that come from plants. So they have mildly hormonal supporting properties, but they wouldn't be as strong 
as the synthetic hormone that they find in HRT. So the risks and the side effects are far less. And you'll get those, they're, they're mostly called soy, um, isoflavones and they come from soya or linseeds, Patricia. And you'll find them in a lot of the menopause support supplements like um, the, the Marilyn Glenville NHP1 would be one that's called menopause support. The Alfred Vogel, they have one called menopause support as well. Um, so there's a whole variety of different ones. So what you're looking for is isoflavones and they'll have mildly estrogenic properties. Okay, Liz. Hi, Annelise. I have B... PPV vertigo. Is there any kind of, anything I can take to prevent it reoccurring? So I don't know what the first bit means. Actually, no, it's 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 a. I've googled it and it is a completely um, benign parooxal positional vertigo. It's right. just a form of vertigo. Okay. Okay. Well, generally vertigo is when the balance of the canals in the inner ear becomes upset for some reason. I'm not sure if there's a particular reason in that type of vertigo that might be different but often people will get it after um, a virus that has infected the inner ear and causes inflammation of the canals of the inner ear and people can feel um, nauseous, they can feel like they're seasick, they can feel dizzy, their balance can be affected Um, and normally what I suggest is to take things that work to bring inflammation down in the inner ear. Now this would also work if there had been inflammation in the inner ear because you damaged your ear from a loud sound um, but that would only help if it was fairly recent. If it's an old injury from sound damage, unfortunately, there is, um, there's not much you can do about it at, at a later stage. But there is a supplement by a company called Nature Plus. It's called Hearing Support, and it has a combination of natural anti-inflammatories in there, and there's also the extract of rosemary plus bacteria that are very beneficial for the inner ear, and a few other nice bits and pieces for the health of the inner ear. And I find that works very well for recent tinnitus or for vertigo. Now, unfortunately, it's being discontinued. So if you can get your hands on it, get a couple of months supply of it because uh, you need to take it for at least two months to see if it's working. And if it does work, it should be done and dusted. You should not have to continue taking it. And if it's not working after two months, unfortunately, it's not going to work for you. Okay. hi. Would uh, Annalise, please, uh, advise, please. Uh, Holy basil. Is holy basil good for stress? Are there any side effects? Or what would Annalise recommend? Um, I'm already taking a B-complex and a multivitamin. Okay. So, um, the holy basil is a lovely herb and it is often used for stress. Um, it's one of the herbs that's often used in Indian Ayurvedic medicine. And in India, oh, yeah. people who train as Ayurvedic doctors, they train for as long, if not longer, than our doctors here in Ireland. And they use a whole ver- variety of different herbs depending on your um, your kind of metabolic composition, really. Um, but holy basil is one that seems to work across the board. And there's a lot of these Ayurvedic herbs that are making their way into Western medicine. And two of my favorites are ashwagandha and the holy basil is lovely as well and rhodiola. The three, the combination of the three of those is wonderful for stress. Um, ashwagandha, I think, is particularly good if you've got anxiety along with your stress, so if you're feeling anxious. And a B-complex is wonderful to support that as well in combination. Magnesium is great as well for any kind of um, um, stressful, busy type of life. You shouldn't need to take a multi if you're taking a B-complex and magnesium because there'll be a lot of double up. So I put my money more into the the herbs and um, the Mm -hmm. the stress-supporting herbs. And then if you're feeling, you know, very het up in the day, 
things like L-theanine and lemon balm are wonderful to take to bring you down very, very quickly. So they just promote calm and focus with the space of about 15 minutes of taking them. And they're brilliant to help you cope cope in the there and now. But the likes of the holy basil, ashwagandha and roliola, they're great in, in the long term to sort of support a very stressful, busy life. Yeah, and I think with everything that's going on with this pandemic, people are talking about feeling a lot more stressed and a lot more anxious than they ever were before. Absolutely, Patricia. And even people, I think, that uh, normally wouldn't suffer from stress. It's the unknown with work. It's, you know, kids back to school. It's worrying that kids are not going to be able to go into school, having to cope with types of work. And then, of course, for people who aren't working, who aren't actually able to go out, it's a very stressful time as well. So um, I'm seeing a lot more coming into the shop, people suffering from anxiety and depression than I ever had in all my years. Yeah, that, do, that doesn't surprise me to hear that. Uh, what's the best natural remedy for acid reflux, please, says a listener. OK, so there's a couple of different things that, is wor- that are worth trying. There is a herb called Centaurium. It's spelled C-E-N-T-A-U-R-I-U-M, Centaurium. And the Vogel range do um, a herbal tincture of that. And that can be great to balance an acidy stomach. If you've too much acid or if you've too little acid, it can help with that. To manage your immediate symptoms, slippery elm is wonderful. So slippery elm comes from a tree. It kind of forms a very mucology-like layer. And if you could take it in powder form, you just take it before you eat. And it coats everything with that thick protective layer. And it prevents sort of erosion and inflammation from the acid that's released when you're eating. And another big favourite of mine is the zinc carnosin. It's spelled C-A-R-N-O-Z-I-N. And that does a couple of things. It helps to nourish the mucus-producing cells in the stomach. And if the stomach can produce a thick layer of mucus, it'll protect it from acid when it's released for eating. And it also can help tighten up the little valve at the top of the stomach so it can prevent the fumes leaking back up and causing that reflux. So a combination of either two or three of those would be great. Okay, Karma says, I take zero call plant-based tablets for cholesterol. Are they safe to use because I can't use statins? Yeah, so zero call, um, they can, they've been proven to bring your cholesterol down, down by up, about, up to about 17%. So they're great for people whose cholesterol is just sort of maybe elevated between sort of underneath seven. And they're very, very safe. They're the same things that come in the Benocals and the Floor Proactive. But you need about 1.6 grams. Um, so, you know, in, instead of having to take all of that butter or those yogurt drinks, it's so easy to take it in the Zero Call tablet. You shouldn't have any negative side effects whatsoever. Um, it works in a way by fooling the body into thinking that you've got cholesterol coming into the body. So the liver stops making cholesterol, um, which is where the main source of, of cholesterol is coming from. We make it ourselves in our liver. Um, but it's not the type of cholesterol our bodies can use. So it's a clever way of fooling the body to stop making more cholesterol. OK, we'll leave it there. Listen, have a lovely week and we'll talk next Thank Monday. You, Thanks a million. That is Annalise Drissel of the Health Hub Times Square in Ballincollig. Uh, just a quick few uh, final uh, text when we were talking about cards and playing cards and somebody was explaining to us that cards can carry the virus so playing cards in pubs are gone. Uh, someone says if cards... The playing of cards are gone in pubs, Patricia. I, I presume a game of pool or a game of snooker is also gone. Just wondering. Mm, I suppose they could clean the pool cue and the balls, could they? I don't know. Well, let me know if you've been in a pub. Uh, are the pool tables out of action uh, or not? And actually, John Paul has just handed me 
we did an Insta poll this morning on our C103 Instagram page and we we said, bars are reopening today, will you go? And I was just a snapshot in time when we were on air this morning. Here's the results. It's hugely gone one way. The vote has gone 79% to 21%. You're wondering which way it went. 79% of people who answered our Insta poll this morning said no. I won't be going to a bar today. 21% said uh, yes. I kind of was thinking that even though there's a great excitement about pubs having reopened. It is Monday at the end of the day. I'm assuming later on in the week maybe if people want to go to the wet pubs maybe there'll be more people at the weekend. We will talk with somebody tomorrow. I'll be interested to see how day one goes particularly in a rural pub. I'm really interested to see how the rural pubs get on today and are people coming back out purely from the social side of it rather than the drinking side so we will check in with the rural pub uh, tomorrow. And hi Patricia I was wondering how did Marcia get back on with her friends also how did you get on? I, yeah, I mentioned at the top of the programme she got on fine thank God. How did I get on? I was an emotional wreck but she got on fine. She's with a new group now so she'll be uh, as much that she can form forge and form a friendship as she can as uh, she will do but she was fine she she was fine I, I was the, I think the bigger warrior than she was okay that's where we leave it for today uh, my thanks to John Paul and to Sadie for taking your calls or apologies if we didn't get around to all your questions for Annalise always uh, so so busy with Annalise but we will be back with you tomorrow morning at, at 10 o'clock uh, Nick Richards is with you for the afternoon until then uh, stay safe I'm Patricia Messenger have a lovely Monday afternoon A lot can happen in three years like a chatbot may be your new best friend but what won't change? Needing health insurance United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company offer flexible budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states Learn more at UH1.com Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.